The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Adam McGee. And me, Jordan Tresky. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcasts. We're back. We're back with some Brewers talk, I hope. And I, it seems like a lot of people did check out, um, Jordan, an episode that you guested on in the past on Captured and Satellite, Andrew and I, where we talked baseball movies and I had a, something of a meltdown about the beloved <laughs> Field of Dreams. So a lot of people seem to check that out. We're back to talk Brewers baseball. The Brewers have swept the Pirates. They're on a four-game winning streak. Things are certainly starting to look up. So if you did miss that last episode, Andrew is on vacation this week. Um, so we have a little bit of a change of pace, a change up there, I say. And stepping in to those very big boots is a man who you're well-equipped to, to fill the boots too, right? It's Jordan Tresky for his first time, first appearance on Cruiser for a Bruising. I'm a boot filler. <laughs> My job by trade. I don't know. <laughs> Welcome, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Are you excited to be on a Milwaukee Brewers podcast? I don't know. Is this ever something that you had in mind, maybe particularly with me? No, I never thought this would ever happen. Even probably if I listened back to that. Feel the dream, or the not feel the dream, but the baseball movie 
uh, podcast. That is an atom of a different life. <laughs> it sure is. I'm, I'm very dismissive of America's uh, pastime, which I, you know, it's not Since like my embrace. religion. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, how can I, how can I start crunching as mana. much minor league film as possible? Uh, so yeah, things have things have certainly changed. We'll get into the specifics of the three games against the Pirates, and there'll probably be some some carryover from some Cardinal stuff that uh, we didn't talk about. We haven't done an episode since that series. And we will get to the Master Brewer leaderboard at the end and the all-important business of who's on the up coming out of this series. I have some thoughts. Andrew shared some thoughts with me, and we're, we're split. So Jordan is going to have to make some decisions, which as someone who's podcasted with Jordan for <laughs> over 365 episodes of Win and Six, that always is interesting, was Jordan has to make decisions. So we got that to look forward to. But let's begin in a more zoomed out place, Jordan, which is often our speciality when we talk about Milwaukee sports. Where are you at with the Brewers this season? What have you, what have you felt like watching them so far? And what are you daring to hope or dream to see for this team as the, the year goes on? It's a very good question, and I dare say the sky is the limit. Okay. Coming off, I believe, the best season in franchise history. Could be wrong on that. Uh, I'd have to go back to see in the standings. Um, but certainly, everything coming together last year, pitchers, Corn Burns won Cy Young, uh, <laughs> Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, having a, a bona fide big three of pitchers, um, something that hasn't really ever happened in Brewers history, which is quite remarkable. Um, and even with Christian Yelich kind of lost in the wilderness, not hitting MVP form, not even hitting what Christian Yelich was before that, there's still so much talent on all sides of the roster that is still like this is the best team in the central on paper. Um, and it's just a matter of, can you realize that talent? Can you realize that potential and go back and do it again and make the playoffs for what would be the sixth straight time um, under Craig council and David Stearns and stuff like that. Like it is just a crazy ride that they have remained in contention, not just contention, but just, you know, talking about winning another division, talking about, you know, maybe winning a pennant. That's, that is, it, it's rare to see in baseball just because it fluctuates so wildly over year over year, or at least that was the case of the Brewers for a very long time. Um, but to see where they are now and to see that they continue making, you know, big additions and kind of supplement their core in ways that, you know, didn't ever seem possible a long time ago like that's from that standpoint it makes this era of watching the Brewers very just special because it it was not like that for a long time when I was growing up and to be in this position is uh it's not easy it's not easy to maintain that for a very long time which they have done for you know under this current regime yeah and I mean as to your your greatest season in franchise history, not quite. 
one win off equaling the 96 win mark of 2018 and 2011. Ah, yep. Um, but one win off, so right there in that that ballpark. Two more generally, though, what I'm interested in, because obviously Andrew and I are coming at this from a pretty unique perspective, vantage point for a Brewers podcast that we're both outsiders. You are not, and you've, as long as I know you, you are someone who, you like to dabble in some Brewers games. You like to take yourself down there and soak up some baseball. So when you talk to the experience of what Brewers fandom was like for a, for a long time, for a, I guess the, the majority of your life up until very recently to what it is now. Is that something I'm, I'm looking for you to give me, speak to me like the, the books fan I am. And I know that <laughs> the process that books fans had to work through and coming to terms with being good. And that's still an ongoing thing that a lot of people wrestle with. Where do you feel you're at, or would you even say that you think Brewers fans are at more generally on that general trajectory, the arc of, oh, hey, look, we're, we're really good? Because it's jarring to me knowing the way you are, knowing your personality, knowing your cautiousness about sports. When I ask you up top, and I'm like, what are your hopes, dreams, expectations to Brewers this season? And you say the sky's the limit. That is very, very interesting to me. I, I just think that's where they're at. You can't, at some point, making the playoffs and, you know, um, it, I mean, I'm not trying to d- dismiss these accolades because making the playoffs, even with the expansion of the wild card or, you know, even if it's just one game, that the, the Brewers were studying that for a long time, even if that was instituted. <laughs> back in the 2000s or whatever the case may be. Um, so, yeah, I, I think at some point you kind of want to see all these, you know, 91 seasons, uh, winning divisions, making the playoffs, like kind of round into something of, you know, possibly making it to the World Series that they haven't done. They've only done once in their franchise history. Um, that's where I think it's, it's, if you look at a long-term view of, where this whole kind of era started and how quickly it developed, how it kind of grew beyond anybody's expectations um, in that 2017 year and certainly 2018 when they go out and get Christian Yelich and go out and get Lorenzo Cain within an hour (laughs) in real time. And it just, it kind of exploded in this way that it's like, you kind of feel like there's this, um, upward momentum that in basketball would kind of feel like oh like okay the time is now like it's it's so I think as I was so engrossed into basketball and taking now taking more of a, a bird's eye view with it all like the difference in just how everything is at this point or between the sports and just building rosters and everything that's just so different in how <laughs> fluky it is with baseball too and it's just remarkable but like i think it, to my overall mentality what i just uh, in the current moment i'm not gonna open up any wounds that we we kind of had to pick at on a different podcast on the Eurostep podcast network we did last night but it turns out maybe the 
the margins they're fine jordan across all of these yeah, sports they... when you're a good team you know maybe one day you've got it all and the next day yep so <laughs> even even in the the cross sport comparison maybe that that holds up but yeah the the difference between the two leagues and and the postseason structure and just the nature of the game like that is certainly something that struck me in watching the Brewers in the playoffs last year like when I came to it is just it's it's part of the fun of it it's also part of the heartbreak because you could see how you could be a really really good team you could be in a spot where you are like widely believed to be the best team in the league for many many years and that does not come close to guaranteeing that you even get to the World Series let alone win it so yeah a lot of lot of capacity uh for pain required to come and watch baseball and particularly i think to watch the milwaukee brewers but things are looking up and the brewers have not been at least this week inflicting too much pain on us are there moments of stress and tension sure um maybe we'll talk some more about what happens when devin williams comes into the game it's it's a very, very intense experience so far this season. Um, but the Brewers are on the rise. They're only a half game back of the Cardinals for the NL Central lead. Um, as I mentioned up top, four straight wins. Took care of the Pirates in pretty, you know, business-like fashion, like you would like to see them to do a home series against a team that are significantly inferior and will have very different expectations for the season. But to bring it to the present, then you've been watching, we watched actually together. We watched the first game of the Cardinal series with Andrew, with Rowan joined us for part of it. Some of you listening may have jumped in too on playback and we'll, uh, we'll look to host some more Brewers playback room soon and give you some more details, some more time so we can get people in the mix to watch along Brewers games with us. But that that's certainly you've been you've been ramping up. You knew this was coming. You've been you've been warming up in the bullpen, and here you are now ready to pitch. What are you making of the brewery so far? What are your takeaways? What are the standout things you're seeing, whether it's positive, whether it's negative? When I say Jordan 2022 Milwaukee Brewers, what's the first thing that comes to your mind right now? Um, well, certainly your new fandom and love. Oh, that's, that's very nice. <laughs> um, I would say Rowdy. Rowdy comes when easily. Very hard not to. Um, I don't, there's just so many different ways you can go with it. You can go with Andrew McCutcheon be on this team, which if you told me that 10 years ago, I'd been, what? <laughs> He's not the same player. He's not an MVP level player, but still a very solid addition. And it's already kind of reaping their rewards on that. But mm-hmm. Christian Yelich showing some very interesting signs, not signs of life, because it wasn't like he was completely mm-hmm. lost, but mm-hmm. compared it's to kind of signs of life, I think. Yeah. Compared to where he was. We'll, um, we'll get into that a little bit later. I think the signs of life yeah. in context compared to last year, it definitely looks like. There was no pulse last year, and there is now a pulse. Yes. Keston Hira, I mean, obviously coming off a game in which he homered and three-run blast. like Homered and got himself straight down to Pfizer. I don't know if you saw that. He was. I did not see that. It was I saw the... on, his, on his Instagram story this morning. He was just behind, uh, behind one of the baselines. He was kind of third row. So 
Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> Maybe he should have got front and center. Maybe we yeah. could have swapped them out with some other notable Wisconsin sports figures who don't bring quite the best look to the playoff games. I don't know. No, no, he doesn't. But yeah, nice um, after his strong spring training. It was great to see him get on the board with a with a homer. Yeah. I mean, the pitching staff, the your anchors, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta still needs to we'll see. get through. Game yeah. game one against the Phillies is gonna be interesting. Very interesting. Um Josh Hader being Josh Hader with pretty much a guarantee, even when he does have some lapses, it's just he's automatic more than not. <laughs> six saves from six. Yeah. I it's just it's I don't know. They they seem it was certainly hairy in that first opening series and obviously losing to the Orioles. I I know your feelings on that, how that was, but like this team is just very they know who they are. They know when, or it's just kind of like that inherent chemistry that comes with being together for as long as you are, you know, even with the new additions on around their kind of core that they have, like they, this has been a multi-year kind of thing. And it, it seems like they just attack it from a different lens than, you know, any other brewer team at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the interesting thing with that, and it's something that obviously Andrew and I are coming back to regularly with every episode, and we're going to go into it again as we work our way through the games. This is a team that has long-running strengths at this point, and things you can rely on and bank on, and we are seeing that come to the fore, even with some shaky moments to begin. It's like, yeah, okay, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, that's as expected now. At this point, it's like you can bank on that. You know what they're going to deliver and games where they're starting. Brewers are going to be in a great position to win. You just need to find a little bit of offense. And then yes. that is the flip side of the coin where sometimes having to find a little bit of offense is a challenge for this team. Every Brewers season. <laughs> ever, by the sounds of it. Has there ever, yeah. have you ever, is there even been a bad team where it's like they were terrible in terms of pitching, the defense wasn't up oh, to it, but at least they could score. For a long time. That was maybe, like, I would probably would have... Characterizing the 2011 team where they went to the NLCS against the Cardinals and lost in six games. I mean, they had Zach Grinke. They had Sean Markham, who was a very good pitcher before he fell off late in that year. Um, they were just very... It was very top-heavy pitching staff. They had K-Rod for their closer, Francisco Rodriguez. Try to think of, like, any other, like, high, you know, really good – like, they're, the the weapons that they have in their pitching staff and bullpen just don't compare to any other Brewers team in a long time, um, if ever. So that's where it's, like, you can – that is the security blanket that is kind of, like, you can at least take solace in the fact that, yeah, they can win a lot of one-run games or 1-0 games or whatever the case may be. Um, but I, <laughs> it just feels like the, the story remains the same. Is that, like if no one's hitting for power, their bats go quiet, it's like, okay, you're trudging through. I mean, that's baseball to a, a generality, but like <laughs> it just is – it just feels very Brewers-like that it's like when the, the bats go quiet, it's like, okay, how do we – MacGyver this and find some like band-aid to put over this game and you know come out with a win kind of thing 
Yeah, well, let's let's move into some of the games from the week. So they opened up the the series against the Pirates with a six one win. Uh, we had runs for Colton Wong, Willie Damas, Christian Yelich. We'll we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, Omar Narvaez, Lorenzo Kane, and Jace Peterson too. I think are, are the others if I remember. Um, one of those, one of those was particularly notable. I see four in the RBI category for Mr. Christian Yelich here because he did indeed open his account for the season with a grand slam, which Jordan, let me tell you, was a lot of fun. I like grand <laughs> slams. I'd like to see more of them, particularly for a team where it's like a lot of the games you're you're spending, you're in like are they going to get anything? Are they going to, where are the runs coming from? So to just, you know, let's just put four up on the board right there. That's it. That's a nice thing to see. Um, yeah, let's just start the season has been interesting. Andrew and I have switched on that already. There are positive signs, glimpses of his power coming back. Um, he has been very good at getting on base, getting walked a lot, quite mm-hmm. a few doubles in the last kind of week to 10 day two. This series overall was not very good for him. Um, but this is maybe the most important thing that's going to come out of these three games. I mean, there there's plenty of good stuff, but if this can be a sign of something that even if it is one game every series, you're going to get a version of Yelich that's going to show off his power. And if that's just a viable threat, it's something the Brewers can believe is is a real thing that they have in their arsenal. It's going to be a difference maker. Uh, I have some, some stats that we had kind of shared back and forth um, at the time. These are, uh, this one won't be outdated. They're a couple of days old, obviously now, because they come from after that game. And this one came from Brewers stat on Twitter. After his monstrous grand slam in the fourth inning, Christian Yelch has now hit the ball at least 390 feet with an exit velocity of over 108 miles per hour, three times this season. He accomplished this feat, Jordan, how many times last season? I don't know, 17? No, that would be once. Oh, what? That, that would be once. So I don't know if you realize we are not very far into this season. So I'll take I'll take three is better than one. Uh, that is a positive trend. Uh, the other one that you shared came from at Orcon 14, which was that Yelich uh, is in the 100 percentile in hard hit rate and 95th percentile in barrel rate. And this was the big thing when I knew even less than I did now, only a couple of weeks ago, when Andrew and I did a preview and I was trying to get a sense of, okay, Andrew, tell me what do I look out for? What matters? Is it about competitive at-bats? Is it like that he's just seeing the ball well, consistently making contact? And Andrew was very much like, no, no none of those things matter. It's purely it's power it's exit velocity there needs to be a sign that the exit velocity is going to trend up that it's still there and that he can be the guy he was when he was the mvp and all this is good news because that that seems to be there and it's just so at odds to where he was a year ago that getting a moment like that early in the season it would still be nice to see more it would still be nice to see more consistency but it's got to be a big help for his confidence, just as I think it's a big help probably for his teammates' confidence in him, the the management, the coaching staff, and fans, just to just to not have this dread when he gets to the plate of like, 
oh god we know what this could be we know what it once was but it's not that now so that to me was a very very welcome sight and i'm i'm confident you're in agreement on that front yes very much so um to have some perspective here it, it wasn't like when he won the mvp in 2019 or 2018 sorry um I believe he came very close in 2019 before getting hurt. He it like it was a very slow start for him too. It wasn't like you know they they made the trade for him and it immediately you know pays off dividends kind of thing. He just went on this absolute heater from July onwards, but maybe even June um, post All Star break, and that really I mean there was other factors to that, but that helped carry the. Brewers to winning the division over the Cubs and uh, that extra game, game 163, and going to sweeping the Rockies, going against the Dodgers and taking them to seven games. Like it was a lot of like, it, it just was unreal <laughs> to see someone of his caliber just kind of be dialed in that you don't, it, you don't often see that in baseball or. You do see that in baseball. Maybe you don't see that with Brewers baseball just to see that kind of like hitter just be, you know, absolutely automatic, at least delivering power, delivering, getting on base, whatever, the, seeing the ball so well that it just feels like he's in this zone that like guys like Ryan Braun and Prince Fielder, uh, not, they didn't dabble. They were very good hitters, but like it just felt like even greater than that, uh, if that, if that, if that could be hyperbolic. <laughs> so to see the start even with you know it's not like he's lighting the world on fire right now but you kind of just again you want to see signs of life you want to see something that resembles the christian yellow of old or the christian yellow of 2018 and 2019 pre-fractured kneecap um so yeah it's very very promising to see um can it all co- coalesce as we see in the past, that's obviously a question that we'll have answers to over the course of a long season, but it's good to see Grand Slam. I mean, it's not like they're hitting all that well with runners on base to begin with. So when they mm-hmm. have runners on base and having a Grand Slam like that, that's very positive indeed. Yeah, and I mean, I'm looking at his numbers here, and the the broader picture is still I mean, 12 games, one home run. That's right on pace to like where he was last year which is not ideal he finished with nine home runs um so still need to see that pick up slugging percentage down on last year ops down like the work is still there overall and that's what's gonna i guess that factors into where we're gonna talk about him for this game and i don't know if we'll mention his name again in terms of talking about the second and third games of the series because he was he was a non-factor really um but Signs of life, signs of life for sure. Um, and just seeing some power. I mean, it's it's also in my experience of watching it. As somebody started watching the Brewers, the playoffs last year, before that, I was almost exclusively just used to seeing him hit the ball into the ground. You know, it's just to see Yelich hit into the outfield is is a welcome sight for me. It's something that I, I wouldn't say is kind of a guarantee based on his recent play, but it's certainly encouraging. Any other any other standouts for you from this game? I mean, the the, the other person that we should probably go to 
first to talk about here is Eric Lauer. Eric Lauer got the start in this game, which with Ashby getting the start in the previous game, something of a something of a shift to the rotation amongst their starters. Um, Ashby's outing in that final game as the Cardinals was pretty messy, and at the moment he's not scheduled for another start soon. Um, I don't think it's any harm having him in the bullpen and picking your spots over the course of the season. Ashby, outside of his start, has looked really, really good and should be very valuable for them. Um, but for Lauer, one earned run allowed, six innings pitch, just one walk, five strikeouts, very, very neat and tidy game. Yeah. And that's getting beyond Burns and Woodruff, like between Freddie and Hauser and Eric Lauer, and it's Ashby in his days. Like the, We know the depth is there in their pitching, that it, it is good enough to put up these kind of performances, but it is also a case of wanting to see it kick in so that when it's not Corbin or Brandon, it's like, yeah, well, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're kind of back at square one. You know, to only be allowing one run on a day where Eric Lauer is your starting pitcher, that's, that's a big deal. And then particularly when the bullpen for this game final three innings between Gustave, Hobie Milner, and Urania. Like, that's uh, that's not your A team. So no. to, to have Eric Lauer take care of business as a starter and to give you six innings, really, really positive. And then to, you know, stress-free with, with those three guys to get through the rest of the game, I think was, was nice too. Yeah, very much so. Uh, anytime you... Don't have to rely on your big arms from the bullpen and can have a nice tidy wind as the Brewers did in, uh, against the Pirates to open the series. Like that's a luxury, <laughs> and it's it doesn't always happen, but when it does, it's you you cherish those comfortable victories. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply for sure okay let's let's go to the next day which is the corbin burns start this was a game that i think is it's kind of a weird one because burns was in complete control and was pretty immaculate and yet there were these two kind of outlier home runs which takes something of the sheen off a performance that was just really, really impressive um, by the numbers, probably not as most impressive of the season to date, but uh, I think in, in watching it, it certainly felt like that. He looks completely dialed in at this point and that's essential. I mean, I don't think there were too many doubts that would be the case, but obviously like, like a couple of his teammates too, that wasn't how he started out a season. So to see the level of control, it's a big deal. Seven innings here as well to, to see him getting a little bit deeper into a game that comes with the control, obviously, too. 10 strikeouts, 2.37 ERA. Like, very good. Yes, very, very good. It's exactly <laughs> what we want to see. Very good. I believe it's his 13th um, game where he's had 10 strikeouts or more, which, considering how many starts does he have under his belt at this point? It's not a lot. I mean, it's he's still very young. Um, he has 44 starts. Uh, so that is remarkable. <laughs> that is very remarkable. You're basically saying one in every three-ish games, you're striking out 10 and you're <laughs> delivering not just a quality start, but, you know, handling the game with ease. Um, yeah, that's the uh, outside of birds, I mean, Brewers only had, uh, what was it? Yeah, five. They went five to two. They only had three hits, and all of them came in the second inning. So it was basically just like front loaded that they had this game in the bag kind of thing where Brewers can deal from a comfortable place. And it was like the Pirates were outside of those home runs, they weren't seeing much of the ball. Uh, what was the stat? There was another stat for that too. There was like, um, there's no recorded flyouts or putouts by the outfield. That stat was from Adam McAlvey, which was the ninth time in Brewers history that no outfielder recorded a putout. Um, three of those games are since the start of last season, which also points to obviously the completely insane strength of Brewers pitching and how that compares to the team's history. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, and the, there was again, a great Adam McAlvey also followed up with a great Hunter Renfro quote, which was Oh, trust me, we knew it was boring out there. I was making sure Kane knew how many outs there were. I was walking <laughs> around like, golly, we haven't gotten the ball, 
which Lorenzo did. I might have been the day before. Maybe I I do think it was the day before this. He 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 did lose count. You know, he was he was ready to charge back in with two outs. So it was like, no, no, you should be you should be throwing that ball. <laughs> Don't just walk it in. You should be throwing that ball. Uh, so that was that was a good quote from Hunter Renfro. Um, we were speaking of Hunter Renfro demonstrating his own power in this game. Um, has been trending upwards. I think that was something that Andrew and I touched on in our our last episode together. Signs of him just starting to to find it a little bit, but obviously power is what we're looking for. Look for a home run threat, and his first home run as a Brewer and. It was way up in the upper deck left, if I'm remembering correctly. Like yep. that one was was a hit. So it it's it's exactly again what you're looking for for him, what we'd hoped for. Some little kind of teething issues, not exactly seeing it right off the bat, but I think it's it's trending in the right way. And much like it's nice to see, okay, there's some good signs for Yelich. Now let's see him actually cash that in and put it into practice at a real moment. It was certainly the same for Hunter Renfro. And then starting a trend, which we'll talk about when we went to the next game too, that our home run of the game came for Rowdy. And Rowdy is absolutely just locked in. Um, he is by far the most reliable offensive player on this team right now. It was yes. something Andrew and I were tearing our hair out of the, the lefty righty, and some of the spots where Council's like, "This has got to be the day off for Rowdy." It's like that has changed, unsurprisingly, given that he's so consistently delivering hits. He's getting on base, and he's not just delivering hits or getting on base. He's he's hitting homers in back to back games at the moment. Uh, I believe he is the, the Brewers RBI leader. With eight, he is obviously their home run leader with, with three home runs at this point in the season. And from what I have heard, and you will probably be better qualified to speak on this, um, not necessarily a guy known for fast starts to seasons either. So this is something that he seems to be very happy with about getting off to this kind of quick start and really just being locked in and ready to go. At a time where the Brewers need someone to be that too you know um not a whole lot of offense going if you were to take rowdy out of this kind of groove over the past week 10 days the record would not look good without what he's been able to offer and without his ability to just get guys home so big big game rowdy my man the big guy is delivering yeah 920 ops slugging 595 uh you like to see that you like to see it's not just to your point of desperately needing offense just because it, that's what it has been for the majority of the season so far um you just need someone to pace or like a pace setter kind of thing you just need someone to kind of at least not be an anchor but just kind of have a reliable bat at this point and rowdy is just delivering and that's all in 37 at bats like it's a fast start, hot start. Can he deliver that over the course of a long season? Who's to say? Who's we don't know. But it, if they thought it was a platoon at first base, or if they wanted to sneak in at bats for guys like Keston Hero, I don't even know who would be the 
uh, like traditional first baseman. I guess it would be here behind Tellez. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's got when they've made those changes, he has had I think, two first base starts. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is quickly becoming uh, an everyday role for Rowdy, and that's that's huge, especially considering he came from Toronto because he was, you know, Vlad Guerrero is essentially playing his position. So if you're <laughs> offloaded because you're behind one of the best ba- uh, players of baseball, like you, you want the opportunity to, to show what you're made of and have an opportunity to play every day. And he's taken that and really run with it. Both hands. Yeah. Yeah. Both abs- hands. Absolutely. Um, also worth mentioning Devin Williams and Josh Hader. As clean as it comes on this occasion. No hits, no walks, very stress-free. If it could be like that every day, oh what a what a time it would be. What what a life we'd have as a Brewers fan. But as it turns out, I mean to be to be clear, it is like that every day for Josh Hader. Um, Hader yes. has just been immaculate so far this season. Like he really has. It's it's impossible to fault him and the luxury of knowing if you get to that point haters in the game all's okay the problem is getting to that point has been a challenge at times and we were we were talking during this game and i was making the case i was like he should not go to devin williams again because when it went really badly for him before was this situation where it was back-to-back days he was playing after the fact they were like you know what he was very tired the tidy inning the day before probably factored into council being like you know what we can go with that um but even tidy innings they're not necessarily quick innings for Devin Williams to start this season um getting very close to full pitch counts with great regularity he generally only seems to wake up or come to life when the bases are loaded which is just not an ideal situation for anyone's health like at all Uh, he Devin Williams might kill me this season if this doesn't even out which I know there's every reason to expect it will and as you've continued to stress to me he had a not entirely dissimilar start to last season too um but into into the final game of this series with the Pirates, where Woodruff is very close to no hitter base through six innings, one hit he looked really good, uh, nine strikeouts, two walks. Interestingly, after the game, he talked about warming up and expecting basically a game from hell. He just said he didn't have it at all. And it's just a case of you got to get out there and work through it and figure it out. And he did that almost immediately. So big, big credit to him, particularly with his two starts prior to this one, we have seen extremes of performance. Like he, he literally matched the worst performance of his professional career in his first start of the season in terms of runs allowed. Um, so to see him settle in and even when he wasn't feeling it, have good control was, was great. You get Brad Boxberger in, as reliable as they come. Box just, he comes in, he checks that box, Jordan. Yes, he does. He takes care of his business and he moves on. The notary, on. Brad Boxberger. 
you think that could catch on? Can we can we make the notary his nickname? I'd be for it. I think that's you know it's got legs. Yeah, people love Big legs. Woo. The notary is right there with Big Woo in terms of very, you know, what people look for in nicknames. <laughs> very niche, but it would work. Uh, Brent Suter came into the game then, and yes. allowed two hits. Got runners on first and second. Was a little bit loose. Two outs though, right? I believe. Well, I was going to get to that. So yeah, then sorry. there's a regrouping at the mound. He settles down. Two outs, including a strikeout. One out needed to get out of the eight. And it was at that point that Craig Council did the thing that I'm still really wrestling with. And you're just like, hey, you know, it's a thing. This is what baseball is. So I'm <laughs> like, it's not. It's nonsense. It's... You know, I'm going I'm to be the new Billy Bean, Jordan, and how I'm going to be the new Billy Bean is I'm just going to tell people to ignore left-handed, right-handed, and think of context and situations. If a guy's got two outs, he needs one more, he's nearly there, and he's he's finally found a rhythm. Trust that guy rather than bringing in someone who played the night before, has had a shaky start to the season, and is coming in a little colder. I, I'm trying to think even, too. I don't think Devin was like really ramping up, up in the, it was in a the very for that long like it was a very fast it was like, yeah it was like oh maybe maybe you could oh you're in the game now <laughs> um was how that played out but Devin Williams comes in while pitch allowed the runner on second to advance third then a hit allowed the bases to load up Right on that. Sounds right. And it just, it becomes really stressful in a hurry. Two runs go. Charge to Brent Suter, which is interesting. Baseball scoring. You're responsible for the runners that get on base. Yeah, but that run only gets... I know home because because of the wild pitch that advances it, you know. So that's it's it's honestly a nonsense, but it doesn't matter. It's all the same. He gets out limiting the damage to two runs, which was good. It's it's better than some other scenarios we've seen with the Brewers and obviously two run lead, and you've got Josh Hader, you feel good, but it's continuing a trend with Devin Williams, which is concerning. Are you just still at this point of oh, this happened to him last year and he'll work it out? Like to be clear, and I was really looking forward to seeing him because obviously I didn't get to see him in the playoffs. Yes, and I knew why. And in watching him in spring training, I was like, oh, it's fun to watch this guy pitch. And I've since learned out fun may not be the word for it. It's certainly never boring. Would yes. be would be a way to describe it. Um, he just seems to have all the tools, and yet it's really it's really tough to work out because you've already seen these instances where he will dig like an eight foot grave for himself, and then he finds it. And he'll be like, "Oh, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get three quick outs now, and that yeah. will be. Don't worry about it. Don't worry that the bases are loaded and we're danger to lose this game because I made a mess." this is now when I'm going to play. And that takes 
incredible mental fortitude and self-confidence. But there is also something else that just kind of lets it really get away from and make it really, really stressful. Like, I'm, I'm finding it tough. I'm, I'm really finding it tough. I, I understand why, you know, people like you and baseball traditionalists are pre- pretending that Brett Suter had to come out. Context here, it was also against Brian Reynolds, the Pirates' best hitter, too. So I, I understand that they wanted to shut the door quickly and not... How is, how is bringing Devin Williams in in that spot, shutting the door more than someone who's just got two quick outs? Like, he's regrouped and he's found his groove. And it's not like he's been in multiple innings. You've no other concerns. At that point, it's like... Is there no is there no hot hand? Does hot hand not exist in baseball, Jordan? That's a good question. I, I don't know if it exists in in that kind of situation. Um Suter's also like it wasn't Gustave or Urania. It's it's one of the more reliable and trusted and kind of core voices even within the team, like just bullpen guys. Longest tenure brewer, correct, as you said. I, I, I honestly, I just think, in spite of the perceived disadvantages that are there, this is, I'm fully, I'm admitting to it. I'm very open about it. A lot of you listening are going to be like, no, you just don't get it. This is me talking about the baseball, as the baseball outsider. But I'm just like, I really didn't see in that moment why Suter couldn't have got that out pretty quickly. Is there risk involved? Sure, but there's also risk, as we saw play out, in being like, oh, Devin Williams, come on in. You played last night. You've had a shaky start to the season, and we're dropping you in in a really high-leverage situation. Because I, that's just in any kind of context. If that was me, would I prefer to be someone who, you know, I was in the game, I'd had a chance to warm up, had a chance out, to have too. a couple of positive things happen, and I need one out. Or do I just want to be parachuted in, and it's like, you need to take care of this or else we're giving up runs and it's a problem. I, I just think that is a really difficult situation. That when a manager makes that decision, I, I'd be pretty conservative on it. I think you can trust in your guys more, depending who it is. But as I said, I don't think Brent Suter was just any old, oh, this is some kind of back of the bullpen arm that has never been in any situation like this. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's it was an odd spot to be in. It's not like he's coming in fresh and there's no one on base, you know, to start an inning. That's, you know, he's a setup man. That's usually what it is. Um, so yeah, it is a different context in, in terms of how he came into the game. And as we quick, quickly found out, he, it looks like he's, it's going to be a nice tidy one out. And then it stretches into, I think like six step bats or something like or something crazy like that where he's nearly going through or going through two thirds of the order. And it's like, it, it has, it's continued the story of his start. I mean, eight thirty one ERA four and a third innings pitched 10 strikeouts to seven walks. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great. Um, and it, it's just, it's funny to see it because he was the Brewers linchpin during the COVID shortened year, just because the obvious circumstances (laughs) and 
if they had any lead and they're considering what that team was at that point and just how that season unfolded, um, they still made it to the playoffs barely. But he was a huge, huge reason why they were um, a playoff team, even if I believe they were below 500 uh, under the season. So, like, it's just funny to see him kind of – and granted, it's sixty games versus one hundred sixty-two games. So it's you're diff- you're working with a different runway than um, you have under those circumstances. But to see him kind of be hot and cold in this way, where it's it's you're playing on the extremes um, to start the season, it just it's very disconcerting. And you just hope that he can, like he has, he's like it's almost like this like Houdini effect of like he's in this straitjacket and he has to find the key and then he figures it out before like the timer goes off and it's like you don't have to keep doing that to yourself you can just you can have the the keys in your pocket you can just turn the lock and it's very easy and just you find the way to to get yourself out of these jams consistently or not even have a jam at all so yeah it's just making it it's making life difficult for him and you know just hope that he finds the answers to not have this problem continuously. As we joked amongst ourselves, and I saw similar uh, comments going in the Brewers channel in our GSPN Discord, he's the perfect setup, man, for Josh Hader right now. You know, Josh Hader, <laughs> if he wanted to save, it was precarious, you know, maybe the opportunity wasn't going to be there. And uh, Devin was mm-hmm. like, I've got you, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to set it up so you can get your save. Here we are. Judge Hader took care of business, got a save, six of the season. Uh, I believe tied for the league lead. Um, yeah, tied with Jordan Romano at six for for the lead in the entire MLB. So that's pretty good on his part. Um, beyond that in this game, Rowdy, Homer again, second inning. Just effortless. This is maybe the easiest it's looked, and it was a real kind of you know, raise your eyebrows because you can see the confidence dripping off him right now. And it's like, okay, well, can this become a thing where he continues to to stay in this groove and it's regular? We got a bit of a home run streak going, or if it is just kind of every second game, you can trust in he's he's a real threat to, to go yard. Um, beyond that, Keston, as we, we touched on up top, nice to see him showcase some power and bring what was on display in spring training into the mix of the regular season itself. He is someone, whether it is some first base run or if it's designated hitter, as he was in this game, they're going to turn to him. He's going to get some opportunities and he could be a massive game changer. I mean, you look at what they didn't have last year and I know he was someone that Andrew has zeroed in quite a lot in terms of the drop off from two years ago to last year. And if, if the Brewers could refine what Kessner was able to offer them a couple of years ago, like that's, that's game changing for the offense, the offensive options that are there. Um, someone else, just a couple of hits in this game. No RBI, which uh, I had it different in my head, but I think has been very steady in this front. And we probably don't, really talk a whole lot about it in terms of his offense is Omar Narvaez mm-hmm. like only 26 at bats so far in the season 
and Omar Narvaez has seven hits and two walks, which is pretty solid considering you're not going to associate him with being that's that's not his primary job. We know he has bigger responsibilities. He's one of the very best in Major League Baseball as a catcher. Um, but he's finding something which is also interesting too because Caratini is seeing a lot of games. And that kind of balance between them, you wonder what way could it hurt either guy? Could it help them? Narvaez is looking pretty sharp offensively right now. So maybe being able to rotate a little bit more is is working out on that front as much as every time I... I see it and I feel like it's unnecessary. I'm puzzled. The results for him are pretty good right now. I would say the same thing for Caratini too. Yeah. I mean, you, he had, he had a homer final game against the Cardinals, was it? I think second to last game because that was the two to one loss. He correct. Correct. Shot. It was the one to loss. Um, yeah. And he settled in too. It's a position that there's no real problems or stresses about which considering the bombshell that was dropped on them just before opening day and the, the scramble to work that out. That's, that's a massive win um, that they, they managed to do that and work it out. And it all looks to be working well already is a real positive. Any other thoughts on this game on any of the games in the series, any players that we haven't really touched on who've impressed you or did you think deserve a shout out? Um, I'm trying to think or the thing. opposite. Anyone who, I mean, one, one player I will say who started really well and in the Cubs series was probably the best brewer, certainly the most consistent on both ends, and there's just nothing there offensively since is Willie Adamas. Um, it would not be nice to see Willie get something going with the bat again. Um, and a fantastic double play, still created double play, which... He did. Uh, in the last game against the Pirates, that was... To, <laughs> to make a... Tough out too to to feel the ball, and then just throw this like laser to his his arm is unbelievably impressive. Yeah, and off balance, like off the his back foot too. Like yeah, turn. It was a very. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. I'm not doing it justice by describing it poorly. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, certainly would great or be great to see him kind of wake up. Um, No, it just. I mean. As much as it is like you want to see consistent power, consistent offense from the team, like you mentioned with Omar Narvaez, like he has been a very reliable bat, even if it's not flashy. Um, you don't get that from a catcher <laughs> very often. Um, and and it, it also that... just middle of the order, back of the order to have yes. someone in that kind of spot, particularly like when you've got Rowdy oh, fifth, generally. I mean, it's they're finding something there and you need someone coming behind who's just showing something, you know, that you can have some confidence and he's just kind of doing his job. There is nothing flashy about it. He has that one home run, but that definitely seems like something that's very useful. And I mean, we're still waiting between uh, Mike Brasso's had some, some flashes too. Jace Peterson cast them when he's being further down the order. Uh, Lorenzo Kane, not really happening for him with the bat so far. Tyrone Taylor, likewise. Like a lot of the guys who've ended up in that kind of space haven't got a whole lot going. So the fact that Narvaez is showing something and that like, aside from his home run, even Caratini is just really, really kind of hard fought competitive at bats. He's not an easy out, which again, as you said, 
to be getting that kind of offensive production out of your catcher is a real, a real boost and a real positive. Yeah. I mean, guarantee like uh, when they got him, it wasn't like I, I wasn't sold or it wasn't like they were getting this. It wasn't like the Adamas trade where they're, you know, making this concerted effort to put him in a starting position, shortstop and stuff like that. But like to have that as your, you know, rotation catcher, basically your Manny Pena replacement, like he's overqualified in that role and underqualified to be a starter, if that makes sense. So kind of mm-hmm. just like in this grand position. And I mean, if we're, if you kind of consider where the Brewers are at, I mean, they don't have Lou Reese, uh, Urias, who's starting, I think a rehab assignment today. That's like kind of like their hope or something like that. Yeah. He's, he's still, still down in Arizona. And then the hope is for him to be assigned to a minor league affiliate in the days ahead, if that goes well. So we're still a little bit away. He obviously missed spring training almost entirely. So, yeah, but Not... that's all. That's also, I mean, that's a factor too in in terms of when you look at as you go down the order what their offense looks like, and that's really Jace Peterson, Mike Brasso. That's what you're looking to right now. A lot of what's being asked of those guys and that kind of spot in the lineup, that's going to solve itself, you know, very quickly once Luis Arias gets back. Yeah. So that from that standpoint too, like. It's it, the results are not always um, as desired as we want them to be in terms of like consistency and everything like that. But they have the ability once Urias comes back and kind of everything comes together, they can really stretch opposing pitching staffs and really make it life difficult if they can, you know, find that find that groove in terms of just consistency and. Do you think that's the, the actually the real key to them finding enough offense, which is you're going to trust that on most nights there, the Brewers are going to have the best of the pitching options between the two teams. So there's the potential for a lot of quick innings, pitch count to stay pretty low, particularly when your aces are in the game. You just need, you just need to work the opposing pitchers and create that imbalance, right? You need to get that you've got an extra couple of innings of Burns or Woodruff where the opponent is going into the bullpen. Like that's, I'm sure this is really obvious to you and everyone else, but to me, this is, this is what I'm seeing as it goes on. Like that's when you don't have countless reliable, okay, here's your power. Like at any moment, this guy can just crack off and there's going to be homers left, right, center. That's the Brewers path to finding enough offense consistently. Yeah. I think that it's certainly shifted over the course of the last few years where their pitching staff maybe wasn't where the, it certainly isn't where it was now, but their offense was just so high powered and they had, you know, you're talking about Ryan Braun being uh, still reliable, even at his age and before he retired, Yelich being in his zone before he got hurt. Lorenzo Kane, I know he hasn't quite hit the same levels as he did in his first season, but still, a reliable leadoff hitter and can get on base and, you know, hit all the boxes that you expect him to hit when the notary, <laughs> when he first came or came back to Milwaukee, like I'm sure I'm missing other guys that were in the mix too. Travis Shaw, that was kind of topsy turvy sometimes, but like it's the, the balance of their, or not balance, but like their strengths have, have become so much more, diverse in terms of 
their pitching staff is one of the best in the league. Their bullpen is one of the best in the league, at least between their closer and the setup man when everything's firing the way that they are. And it's not that their hitters – I think it's the – it's funny to go from that to – especially with Yelich being where he was to where he is now. It's almost like they're better than the sum of their – or the parts are better than individuals. And, no, I think you're right, better than some of their parts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, from that standpoint, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how everything has kind of changed over time over the last few years in terms of what you can rely on guys like Yelich and all that stuff. And you're kind of, you know, hoping for the best with the pitchers and it worked out well in that sense, but now it's, you got the, the big guns now with your guys like Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Hader, obviously when the time comes. So, from that standpoint, it is really interesting to see where how the Brewers have kind of developed and where they can go further, as long as they have all three of their top pitchers in in the mix. Up next, the Brewers are headed for Philadelphia, three game series in Philly before returning home for a really bizarre one, which is just part of making up games lost pre-lockout. So they come back for a single game at home against the Giants to then go straight back on the road for a three-game trip to play the Pirates of Pittsburgh. Um, Phillies, 5-8, and eight, not exactly setting the world alight. This is an interesting little stretch, you know, when you've got a four-game streak going. The Giants in the middle of that will be interesting. I don't actually know, though, who's lining up even for... Oh, that, that stands to be a Corbin Burns game for the Brewers. Um, Couldn't need it. Couldn't need it, but this is, a, this is a stretch where it feels like some good early momentum could, could really kick in, and all of a sudden from a start that first few games was very dicey. If you take your chances here, then you've got six-game homestand with three games each with the Cubs and the Reds. Like, this is a stretch where the Brewers could really make hay. Yes. Especially when you're starting to see more of the division teams. And as I we have talked about multiple times, two of the teams are not really trying. More the so Red, the Reds. The Reds more than anyone, yeah. Yeah. Um. I can't remember if our uh, old friend Mike Mustak is still on that roster, but I feel terrible for him <laughs> if he is. Um, but yeah, this is where you kind of, you know, the opportunity he, he is still on that roster. Yeah, that is unfortunate. Probably he's, on, he's just been placed on the injured list, though. Ooh, tough break. Um, yeah, this is where, I mean, they're on a four-game winning streak right now. They're going into got a day off they're going against Philly's team who's you know under 500 not up to a great start kind of what it has been since they got Bryce Harper um <laughs> we'll see what we'll see what if they can continue this this stretch and at least you know you're turning the ball over to Peralta is Ashby gonna start I would assume no he, right? he is not currently penciled in to be a starter on any of the I mean, we've, we've got starters looking on ESPN. They've got starters true to the second game against the Cubs, which is May 1st. And uh, to run true, obviously, we're going to get we're going to get Freddie in the first game against the Phillies. Then it's Hauser, then Eric Lauer. 
then back to Corbin Burns for the Giants game, then Woodruff against the Pirates, Peralta, Hauser, Lauer, back to Burns. So it seems like at least for that stretch, we're going to get Ashby back in the bullpen, which I'm honestly, I'm fine with. This yes. was something that, again, I was kind of trying to get Andrew to explain to me at the time. I was like, is this a good idea to take someone who is very good out of the bullpen when you've got you've got five good starters? Like, you've got five guys that over the course of the season, I think you can feel good about. Do you need to stretch that out to a sixth? Is there a need to cycle through? And then you're you're cutting back your your burns and Woodruff starts to a point where maybe you don't need to go that far with it too. And you're not gonna you're not gonna help your team. So I was I was curious about that, but maybe it is just something that like once every 15 games, council's like, let's get Ashby starts, even from a developmental perspective. Yeah, it's very much like they did the same thing with Woodruff. They did the same thing with Burns. And then when they fully handled or fully gave the ball to Burns to start, you know, he had that. He was ready. Toward, no. That oh, his, okay. 2019, his 2019 was very, it was a nightmare. They had a, he, he struggled a lot. <laughs> he found it late and then it was kind of like, okay, maybe. A lot of talk about this on broadcasts to be fair, you see about used to used to have a little bit of a temper that he has very much got under control where he's now you know completely emotionless yeah is... stands, he stands goggles which aaron ashby has picked up on or picked <laughs> he's taken the goggles that burns his left um but yeah so yeah it's very much i don't know if a lot of other teams do it but it's it's become a brewer's thing with their their young guns so to speak I don't know if too many other teams have the embarrassment of pitching riches to have that That's luxury. That's a very good point. <laughs> is, is the other thing. I know um, Andrew is every every time eating small gets a, gets a start for the Nashville Sounds and he's tearing it up there. Uh, Andrew gets very excited about that. And part of that is, yeah, I think the Brewers are an organization where you've got the, the luxury of pitching to take everything very kind of softly, softly, gently, gently. And so far working out nicely um okay jordan before we wrap up we have a yes. little thing called the master brewer leaderboard someone said i think it was me mentioned making hay a moment ago well for anyone who's not aware at the end of every series or close to it you know when they throw a random one game against the giants into the mix we're gonna have to adjust here uh <laughs> over the course of the season andrew and i and whoever, whatever esteemed guests are in the mix with us are going to pour over the performance of the individuals in the series. We're going to pick out some players who will earn master brew points. Generally, it'll be one point each. Very exceptional circumstances. Maybe double points come into the mix. By the end of the year, we will have an overall leader who will be named Cruising for Bruising's Brewer of the Year, essentially the master brewer for 2022. True, the first 10 games of the season... Man out in front, not a surprise. Rowdy Tellez has twice picked up Master Brew points, and we've got a logjam behind that. We've Corbin Burns, Josh Hader, Willie Adams, and Brandon Woodruff all with a single point. I want to I want to give you freedom just to speak openly first before I force you into decisions, and maybe you'll align one way or another with what my view was or what Andrew's view was. Andrew and I both felt there were four players deserving in this series a sweep lots of positives both sides of the ball we both picked four players 
we were in agreement on three of the players we picked and we had a different player each. Now, hmm. the more I think about it, I also agree with Andrew's player and I wonder if the case should be, a, is there actually, could there be a fifth? But if you were to, maybe you think there's only one, maybe you're an, a really tough marker, but who would you give an upvote to coming out of this series? Who deserves some points on the board? Surly Rowdy. Surly Rowdy. Um, Two homers in three games. That's absolutely deserving. I think really good. Yeah. Um, this is where it gets, because it's a series, but then when you're going, I mean, you have a gem like Burns pitch. Um, that's where can pitchers win the series? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that's that, so far we have, I mean, Hayter obviously can play multiple times the series, but true. Burns and Woodruff for their previous starts both earned Master Brew points. And, yeah, and we, yeah. we, we have been aware of that too because initially like it feels like the bar is going to be a little lower for a pitcher in terms of they don't have to have their absolute best stuff but you've got to reward them when they're really good because otherwise it's going to look ridiculous at the end of the season if Corbin Burns has like two points and Rowdy Tellers has 50. Uh, yeah. That will not be an accurate reflection. Thing. So yes, you can reward pitching as you see fit. There you go, Burns. I think I go. I think it's a sweep among the starting pitchers: Burns, Woodruff, Lauer. Okay, you're you're throwing something different into the mix that neither of us. I have am. Now. We bought up Burns and Woodruff, so uh, what Andrew and I agreed on is Rowdy, Burns, and Woodruff. So you've mentioned Lauer. That's interesting. Is there anyone else you want to put in here? Because there's. Just two names that haven't been mentioned that factor into Andrew and I's discussion. See, I probably, if, I mean, we talked about Yelich. I mean, he delivers a grand slam. It's hard not to consider him. But also, as we talked about, there is nothing much else to glean of. This, is, of- this is the conversation Andrew and I have had. I, I think a grand slam is a significant enough achievement that I, if we're not rewarding that, when do you get rewarded? I think that's True. a really and it, it, it was a the really difference in that one. game. And it was a difference in that game. It's just the fact that he offered nothing in the other two that makes it tough. Outside but of that running he, catch that he had, I think in like the yeah, sixth that's true. He was he was my fort. Andrew's fort was Josh Hader. And Josh Hader had two saves in the series, and that is also very tough to overlook. Yeah. And very how many can combined pitches like 13 or whatever not a like, lot yeah not, not a, a lot, lot of it's, pitches it's very not, easy for him right now yeah i'd probably lean more hater scratch my lower pick even though he was very good lower was good lower was good but he just he wasn't at the level of burns or woodruff and he's not going to be very often this season likely so that's a tough beat for those kind of guys um I, I, as I said, in thinking about it, I, I don't see how we could overlook Hater. So that's four. Does Yelich get one for a grand slam? No. No. Okay. I said you would be the casting vote. You're the casting vote. All complaints to you at Jordan Tresky on Twitter. <laughs> if you think a grand slam should be an automatic Master Rupoise, Chris Yelich. He may have a home run, he may have a grand slam, but he is yet to get on the board. 
in terms of Master Brewer. Maybe this is the motivation he needs to break out. Someone needs to get the word to him. Uh, maybe explain what it is. We can send him some merch. Yes. Which, you know, to wrap up here. GSPNstore.com. All you're cruising for bruising. Win in six. Eurostep. Eurostep Podcast Network merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, mugs, pint glasses, stickers, tank tops. It's definitely other stuff that I forget every time I go through that. We've got a whole bunch of stuff, though. We've had great support so far. Cruising for Bruising is leading the way. Um, most most merch sales is Cruising for Bruising. That's great. I think it, it certainly speaks to our logo, which Andrew and I are very, very happy about. And I know Jordan is a big fan of. Jordan, are you wearing some Cruising for Bruising merch right now? We're not putting this up in video form so people can't see it, but just for, for your information. Jordan is modeling right now. Yes, uh, a nice cruising for bruising, uh, crew neck sweatshirt. You're you're happy with your purchases. You're happy with your cruising for bruising gear. Very happy. They come very timely. Um, I've completed the set. I have a shirt for every podcast that is on the GSP or under the GSP and umbrella. So yeah, you can have the set as well. If you go to gspnstore.com. Yeah, if you want to rep any of the podcasts, whether it is that you like the logo and you want to have something that's a little bit different for your brewer's collection or your book's collection, if it is just that you like the work that we do across all our podcasts, you want to support us, that would obviously always be greatly appreciated. So true to April 30th, we have a good promo running 22% off with promo code PLAYOFFS22 at checkout. Um. Let's hope the playoffs are still <laughs> still going by the time the promo code expires. I hadn't considered that at the time, Jordan. Maybe that's a good reason why it didn't run into May. Yeah. Yeah. Let's we're on tenter hooks <laughs> here. We're waiting. We're waiting uh, some news on Chris Middleton that has yet to arrive at the time of recording. So let's hope there's some good news on the other side of that. And we can feel a bit better about the books. If you want to hear Jordan and I talk about the books, of course. We co-host the Win and Six podcast together, and all throughout the playoffs, you will most likely hear us on crossover content where the whole team gets together. Uh, that's us, Ty, Rohan, Eurostep Podcast Network to subscribe, get all of your book stuff. gspn.substack.com, that's our Substack. Articles go up there. You'll get all of our pods. You get all sorts of other information. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on doing this. I'm going to steal something from the Eurostep where they read out ratings and reviews that come in on the pod for the GSPN channel. We're going to do the same for Cruising for Bruising. There are a couple of really, really lovely reviews there at the moment, um, which I greatly appreciate, have deeply, deeply touched Andrew's heart. Uh, I'm going to save them for when he's back because he might cry when I, when I read them out live <laughs> on air. Um, but if you're enjoying listening to us, please five-star ratings, leave reviews, let people know you're enjoying it. It helps us to get on the radar to climb up through all of the, the various podcast metrics and get people's eyes and ears on our, our pods. So if you do that, one, we'll really appreciate it. But two, if you do it, send a screenshot, send it to me at Adam McGee 11 or to at Brewers GSPN on Twitter. And I can get you added to our GSPN discord, which is home to all sorts of group chats, a books group chat, a brewers group chat, 
and beyond that, that's where if you want to watch along Brewers games with us for the foreseeable future, the links will be in there. They will only be for our Discord users. So to have the opportunity for that, to get access to those when we when we do them next, rate and review the podcast, five stars, send a screenshot, and I will get you added to the Discord. That's all of our housekeeping. Good week for the Brewers. Four-game win streak, sweep over the Pirates. Let's hope they keep that good momentum going. Uh, we will be back early next week. Andrew will be back in the mix. He'll be revitalized. He'll be full of energy. He'll probably be speaking with a Scouse accent, but he will be ready to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers again. I would guess you'll probably hear from us um, the morning after that Giants game. So uh, keep an eye out for it. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be with you all again very soon. Thanks all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com